We heard St. Paul tell us today, if the spirit of the one who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, the one who raised Christ from the dead will also make your mortal bodies alive through a spirit who is dwelling in you. Amen. My dear Christian friends, Joel and Ruth were strong Christian people. They loved the Lord. They loved each other. They both came from large families, and they wanted nothing more than to have a large family of their own to love. But they had been married for eight years already, and they had trouble conceiving. And for whatever reason, they just did not have any children yet. And so they prayed to God. They talked to the doctors. They visited the specialists. And finally, after eight long years, they conceived. And they were so excited about it that they then decided that they were going to name their child after the grace of God. They felt they were receiving from God, that they felt that they had received the favor of the Lord, and so they named him Ken. Well, that doesn't sound all that special unless your name is Ken, and except they knew that the Hebrew word for grace and favor is Chen, very similar to Ken. And everything seemed to be going along well with the pregnancy until she was in the hospital, and then as soon as Ken was born, the nurses quickly rushed him away from their scared parents. Ken was born with all kinds of health complications, too many to talk about now. Every day, Ruth and Joel would go to the NICU. There they would hold their son, feed him, bathe him, change him. But, and their hearts were filled with love for their little son. And then one day, as Ruth was holding her son, and she had picked him up, was loving him again, and then he stopped breathing. His little heart just gave up. It couldn't continue to fight any longer. Ken was only a month old, but it was a month of love, grace, and favor. But it was followed by months of heartache, grief, and sadness. I'll be honest with you, Joel and Ruth are not real people. I created this story for this particular sermon because I wanted to tell their story. They may not be real people, but their story is a very real story. Some of you have lived that very real story. Others of you know other people whom you know and love who have also lived that story. And though I may have made up this particular story, it is based on a very real story that the Holy Spirit writes for us in our Old Testament lesson. In that lesson, we hear about Elisha. Elisha was the kind of prophet who liked to travel all over the place to visit people and preach to the people of Israel. And many times his travels took him through Shunem, which was in the valley of Jezreel, near, in between Galilee and Samaria. And as he was traveling through that area of Shunem, a Shunemite woman, and we'll call her Ruth, stopped him. She was a very strong Christian lady, had a strong faith in the Lord, and she asked Elisha to stay at their house. He agreed, and then so she asked her husband, we'll call him Joel, to put an addition onto their home for the prophet. 
Elisha asked Ruth if there was anything that the Lord could do for her to show Elisha's appreciation for her kindness. She said there was nothing. Elisha then learned from his servant Gehazi that Ruth did not have any children, that they had been married for several years, and her husband, we'll call him Joel, was old. And so Elisha promised her, at this time next year, you will be holding your son. A year later, Ruth and Joel were gifted with a miracle son. We'll call him Chen, which is Hebrew for grace and favor. And all was well for several years. Elisha continued on his visits to Shunem, and their son Chen continued to grow and get older. And one day, as he's older, around the age eight, he is out in the field with his father when he complains that his head is hurting. Well, Joel realizes this is more than a headache, and so he calls his servant to take their son to mom. And Ruth is holding her son in his lap, in her lap when his heart stops beating. It gives up the fight. Then she takes her lifeless body of her son and lays it on the prophet's bed in the spare room of her house in Shunem. Then she, with a servant, get on a donkey, and they go to find Elisha. Elisha sends his servant Gehazi ahead of them back to, back to Shunem with the prophet's staff in his hand. Because when the woman comes to meet Elisha, she doesn't want to talk with Gehazi. She says, everything is all right. And then she says to Elisha, everything is all right. But he knows that everything is really not all right. He doesn't know exactly what has happened, but he knows something tragic has happened because she says in her grief to the prophet, did I ask my Lord for a son? Didn't I say, don't give me false hope? After Elisha sent his prophet to the woman's home, then the woman says to him, as surely as the Lord lives and your soul lives, I will not leave you. And so the grieving mother accompanies the man of God back to her home. And when Elisha arrived at the home, he went upstairs to the spare room and he closed the door behind him. Ruth waited. She wept. She prayed. And she waited some more. Until the prophet finally called out, but he called for Gehazi to come into the room. And Ruth waited some more. But this time, alone. And then Gehazi called for Ruth to come into the room, and Elisha said to the mom, pick up your son. By the grace of God, her son was alive. By the grace of God, I have been at the bedside of many of God's saints as he was calling them home to himself in heaven. I've been there as they have closed their eyes, their breathing has slowed, their heart has stopped. I've been blessed to preach for the Christian funeral of many of those saints. From a pastor's perspective, some deaths are easier to minister to, and some funeral sermons are easier to preach than others. The hardest death to minister to, and the most difficult funeral sermon I had to preach was for an infant. 
the little boy was born prematurely, but it was looking like everything was fine because the hospital sent the son home with his parents. But everything wasn't fine. All these years later, I still remember exactly where I was when I received the phone call from the grieving father telling me that his son had died. That son was only two weeks old. And when I went to visit the family, the mother, understandably, was inconsolable. She had gone to the crib to pick up her son to find him dead. Can you imagine the grief of those parents? Perhaps you don't have to imagine. You know that grief firsthand. The grief of a miscarriage. The grief of a dead infant. The grief of a teenager killed in a car accident. The grief of a daughter who has died after a long bout with cancer. The grief of the loss of a son after he was killed in a war. There is an old but very true saying that no parent should ever have to experience burying their own child. There is grief when we are called to pick up our dead son or daughter. There is heartache when we are holding our lifeless children in our arms, whether young or grown. There is loss in knowing that death has robbed us of so much. Laughter. Hugs, time. We must all walk through this dark valley of the shadow of death. We all feel this pain that death brings. And our hearts are filled with questions. Questions like, why? What good can come of this? When will this pain end? We look to Scripture, and we see God raising people from the dead. Lazarus, Jairus' daughter, the son of the widow of Nain, Dorcas, the Shunammite woman's son. And that's miraculous. That's marvelous. Those resurrections raise bodies. But those resurrections also raise questions. Questions like, Why isn't my child resurrected? Why did Jesus raise that one and not this one? And we don't have the answers. Death often leaves us with more questions than answers. It leaves us with more tears than smiles. But those tears remind us that even our Lord Jesus cried. That while he was at the tomb of his dear friend Lazarus, the Lord Jesus wept even though he knew that he would be raising Lazarus from the dead in a few moments, still Jesus cried. His heart went out to those around him because he saw what death had done to them. But Jesus did more than cry. He did something about their pains to cause these tears of grief. He told Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me will live, even though he dies, and whoever lives and believes in me will will never die. Do you believe this? And Martha did believe. She believed that Lazarus would rise on the last day. But Jesus was talking about how Lazarus would rise on that day. Just as Jesus called Lazarus out of the grave on that day, that day so he will call all of his dead saints out of the graves on his last day 
And Jesus did more than, than sympathize with our griefs. He did something about the pains that cause these tears of grief. He is the answer to all of our questions. He knows that we grieve. And so he became the man of grief. Isaiah says he was despised and rejected by men. A man who knew grief, who was well acquainted with suffering. Jesus endured suffering. He endured shame for us. He took the punishment we deserved. He carried our guilt on his back. He bled and died to pay for our sins. He was buried in the tomb for three days, and then he rose triumphant from the grave. He beat death at its own grave, at his own game, with his glorious resurrection on that third day. And this means that whatever we suffer is not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed in us. And when God has his saint write those words to us, he is not minimizing our suffering. He's emphasizing our suffering. He assures us that because of what Jesus Christ accomplished on the cross and out of the grave, now he has prepared mansions for us in heaven. That when our resurrected bodies are raised on that last day and we are standing before God's throne with all of the other countless saints, we will have forgotten all of our griefs and sufferings and sorrows. And this is a comfort that we have as grieving parents. Jesus does not promise us a resurrection for children in this lifetime but he does promise us a resurrection in the life to come. That our deceased Christian children are not really dead. They live on. It's a change of geography from this world to the heavenly realms. It's a change in status from a sinful mortal to a glorified saint. It's a change in sight. Instead of our children seeing Jesus with the eyes of faith, that they are now seeing him with their very own eyes. I cannot begin to imagine how heartbreaking it is to pick up your son after he has died in the crib. But look to the glory that Jesus has prepared for you and your children. Look forward to that day when you die. And then you will enter the gates of heaven. You will meet your glorified Savior. And then he will introduce you to your child and say, pick up your son. Pick up your daughter. And what a glorious reunion that will be. Amen.